Alright guys, so for this podcast we have Tushar. Um, he is an Australian directed producer and songwriter based in Los Angeles. He's known for his work with Chris Brown on Zero, BTS on Home, Blackpink on Love to Hate Me, uh, Demi Lovato on Sober, uh, Zayn Malik and Nicki Minaj on No Candle, No Light, PJ Moore and Adam Levine on Heavy, Noah Cyrus on Good Cry and Ghost, um, as well as Luhan and Roleplay. Um, he's also an accomplished TV and film producer, having worked on major projects for N- NBC, uh, BET, The Bobby Brown Story, and more. So I, I like this podcast. Um, I had never talked to him before uh, before uh, we actually got on here, but he's a, he's a really smart individual. Uh, one of the ones that stuck out to me about the conversation was when we were talking about crypto. Um, and I really loved his story when it came to grinding from the bottom up grinding from zero to zero holy shit maybe that should be the the name actually of the podcast holy shit i just thought about <laughs> sorry i'm a dumbass and i get amused by myself sometimes so um but i really I, I thought i think i think it's he has dedication and the kind of drive that'll that'll push you to where you need to go and i think if you want to get anywhere in life you need to expose yourself to those opportunities and and make sure you're continually grinding, having that sales attitude, having that that discipline, that dedication, um, no matter what life's thrown at you. So, I mean, if you have sales, I think you're in a good enough position because you can actually apply that to wherever you go in life. So um, it's not just a matter of having that experience. It's actually about applying it as well. So I hope you guys take a lot from this and enjoy. Good, man. How are you going? Pretty good, pretty good. Just got back from the gym like 20, 30 minutes ago. I wasn't sure if you'd be uh if you'd be available for tonight, but I was like, I'll I'll give it a go, you know. Yeah, no, actually, just uh, you know, it just happened to work. I've got uh, the week's been really strange in terms of scheduling everything, sort of moving around this week. So thanks for uh you know being flexible with me on that <laughs> no of course i mean it's an honor to have you so I, i'm glad i'm glad to have you on i guess for for the people that are listening do you mind giving them a little a little breakdown about yourself and, and what you've done in the past before uh sure yeah i'm an la based uh, music producer composer and songwriter i'm originally from australia but uh, yeah i've been in la for 10 years now and um uh, I signed my first uh, big publishing deal probably five years ago now off the back of uh, a Chris Brown record called Zero, which was on the radio and stuff like that. And kind of since then, you know, this is my world and uh, this uh, I'm like a pop, you know, producer guy and songwriter guy. And that's what I do. Uh, I've worked with Chris Brown and Demi Lovato, BTS, Blackpink, um, Noah Cyrus, Zayn, Nicki Minaj, you know, a bunch of people. And, um, you know, have had have been very fortunate enough to have some success here and uh, and overseas and in different markets and yeah, you know, <laughs> best I, job in the world. No, yeah, of course. I think uh, one of the I think one of the most qu- the exciting questions that I wanted to ask you was, how does it feel now? I guess from being on the couch when you first came over to Los Angeles to where you're at like right now, like what's like the significant differences? How do you feel knowing that like you've gotten to this point in your life and, and so forth? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's really crazy. You know, it's, it's funny, like human nature is such, such an interesting thing because, you know, I've been in this world for, you know, in, in a real, in a very real way in the last uh, four or five years. Mm-hmm. And even when you reach a level like sort of where I'm at, where 
10 years ago, uh, I would never have dreamed of being in some of the rooms I've been in, meeting some of uh, my heroes and people I grew up idolizing, like Pharrell and all these different people. Yeah. Um, I, I would never have imagined that kind of thing. But then on a day-to-day, week-to-week level, I'm, you know, I'm still dealing with the frustrations that come from being a person that works in the music business. And mm. a lot of people look, look at it from the outside and think that, uh, you know, if I've had some success, you work with these big artists, all this stuff. But uh, to be honest, you know, for every one of those things that lands, we're still getting plenty of rejections. You know, we're still constantly dealing with rejection and notes and all the same sort of uh, insecurities that, that that you deal with when you're starting your journey in music, but just at a different level. Mm. And so, um, I mean, all of, the, all of that's to say, uh, I have to check myself every now and again to, to be like, to kind of remind myself that I should be very grateful just to be in this position where, you know, this is how I make my, my living and um, that, you know, so there was so many other factors that had nothing to do necessarily with my skill that uh, just lined up and right place, right time. And uh, from, from those days when I was uh, sleeping on couches and doing all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So yeah, you know, just, just super grateful just have to remind myself, remind myself, and give myself a reminder that, um, yeah, you know that that, that it's uh, so much better than it could have been. <laughs> this, um, but I don't know if you heard the uh, the last question that I was uh, that I was mentioning was, uh, I guess in reference to the last statement that you said, it was more so. Um, I guess I, I wanted to ask you. Because Michael had sent you a message that said, just put yourself out there and just just be consistent. Oh, yeah, Mike Bearden. Yes. Way back when. How how was it receiving that message? Were you, like, frustrated at the time? or Because obviously it paid off well, obviously. Yeah, I mean, firstly, that's uh, that's a cool little bit of research that you did, so I <laughs> applaud you for that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was funny. I mean, I was, you know, when I first moved to L.A., I was, like, so gung-ho, and I was just, like really in people's faces just trying to network i was like very very i used i would be very very persistent like one of the first um uh one of the first things that happened to me when i came here is i got the name you know i got referred to this guy who uh he used to put together all the big touring bands Mm -hmm. from la so like rihanna's touring band katie perry's touring band a lot of like big acts and then all the way down to newer stuff at labels mm-hmm. and uh, I, I i just want he had this database of all these musicians that he'd collected in la you know piano players and then bass player whatever he had mm-hmm. and he would just call a bunch of musicians for these different auditions and you'd go and hopefully get a great gig and that's what i thought i'd be doing in la you know i wasn't even thinking about necessarily writing and producing as the thing i thought that would be my track mm-hmm. and so i'm trying to get on this guy's book you know and i would call him literally like 20 times a day just leaving like this <laughs> until he finally called me back mm-hmm. and he and he put me on the uh thing so that was that's that's just to explain like the frame of mind i was in i was extremely uh persistent and you know i just used to hustle pretty hard i guess so when i messaged michael beard and in the middle of that whole time i definitely was hoping that he would maybe check out some of my stuff and you know mm-hmm. maybe ha- get get a face-to-face meeting with him or something you know but yeah he just gave me that advice and i don't think i took it negative negatively at all in fact i was just glad that he responded uh-huh. and um yeah I, it was just something i kept in my back pocket and every time something would happen to me over the years where 
I would sort of, you know, maybe meet someone else or like just get a gig or just, you know, slowly make those steps up. And in the early days, it was a lot of it was like one step up and then three steps backwards, you know, because it was just hard to make money. And like, I was still trying to, Mm. trying to make it all work. But um, yeah, every time something good happened, I definitely would remember Michael Bearden's thing of just, just putting in the work and, you know, the good things will come. I think that's like a good like reminder. It's like you have like something to, I I guess, uh, I I wouldn't know how to say it just because I'm a dumbass, <laughs> but it's like uh, like um like a good foundation to like always like go back on like regardless you know because I mean the fact that he even responded was pretty damn like dope. I, I was like oh shit when it's I saw awesome, that. Yeah. yeah, it's like just that 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 that's enough to give you like that feel to keep going whenever it's like times are rough or like I want to give up, you know? So it's, it's little things like in the back of your pocket that'll, that'll keep you going. You mentioned that. It's so true. Yeah. You mentioned that like there are certain things that you do to keep yourself humble because sometimes it it is hard to like get grounded. Is there anything in particular that you do to, to like remind yourself of like where you're at or, or anything like that? Yeah. I mean, look, to be honest, like I, like I told you, the uh, industry has a way of humbling you whether, <laughs> whether yeah. you like it or not, you know, at some point <laughs> what goes up comes down. And yeah. so much of what we do as producers and writers is we get our wins, but then we have to learn to manage the dips because, you know, that's the, that's the cycle of it. The music business is very, uh, what they call uh, streaky, you know, it's yeah. like you go on little streaks and then, all of a sudden you have to like build again and, you know, ride the sort of valleys and just uh, develop your network and get better at the craft, you know, and do all those things. So in some way, the industry has it has a natural way of humbling itself. For me personally, I um, like to sort of find a bit of center in my, in the top of my day uh, just by doing like breathing exercises and stuff like that. It's just a way to sort of, um, yeah, just set the day and be able to approach all the different mm-hmm. tasks that we have to do. Because one other thing that's really, I think, a very defining feature of the music business nowadays, if you are working in it, is that you're sort of doing everything, you know, like you have to have like an entrepreneurial mindset, you have to have a good business brain on you. Uh, you have to understand sort of like the human psychology element of working with artists and A&Rs and people with labels and managers and mm-hmm. all these different types of personalities and layers within the business. And and then in terms of the actual creative part itself, I think that maybe only makes up like 40 to 45% of my, of my day a lot of times, you know, yeah. a lot of it's this other thing. So in the middle of all that sort of storm, just finding a way to like center yourself at the beginning of the day, I feel like is like super important um, in terms of how to deal with all the chaos of that. Mm-hmm. You know, are you are you big into meditation? Then is, is that something you you do as well? Yeah, I do. Um, yeah, so that that's you know these are all other sort of techniques of uh, learning how to deal with all this stuff, and yeah, just finding ways to um, to deal with the very roller coaster ride of this uh, of this business. But mm-hmm. you know. You start to find your own patterns in it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, those are, those are things that, that definitely help. I'm not sure if that actually even answers the question. <laughs> uh, no, no. But, I guess I guess it was self-explanatory when you said you were breathing, but I wasn't sure if it's just like simple like exercises. Like, you know how the Apple Watch is like, oh, just a reminder to breathe or like if you like oh, focus no, no. like on like meditation for like 10, 15 minutes, you know? 
I mean, actual, actual like deep breathing exercises, mm-hmm. like um, some of your listeners might know of uh, Wim Hof. Yes, like, I uh, love Wim Hof. Yeah. He's a crazy guy, man. He's a crazy guy. Yeah. Oh my God. Have you heard, um, uh, for people that don't know. He is wild. He's, he's a superhero. <laughs> no, the <laughs> fact that he was able to maintain his body temperature under like, what was it? Like, um, like frozen, frozen ice caps was fucking insane. I was like, damn, what? I, I'm like I'm kind of want to like go all the way to wherever you're at just to take one of your classes. He's a he's a wild guy. He's mentally yeah he's insane and he's but he has really hacked into this really really basic idea, hmm. which is that the breath is like the center of everything you know and, yeah. and 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 I think you realize when you do deep breathing exercises that that um, you realize how shallow our breaths are in our hmm. everyday life. And, you know, we're just not building up that apparatus, which is so important to yeah. everything else, you know, <laughs> to think that because it feeds into everything else. It's uh, it sounds like it's literally a life hack. When I first heard about him, I'm not going to lie. I was like, this guy's like crazy. But he then like seems crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then when I like I found out that like uh, I, I don't know if it was like MIT or Harvard, they've done like actual studies and tests and they've conducted a bunch of like shit and. What did he do? He walked Mount Everest with like bare shoes and no shirt. I think I was like, yeah. that guy is uh, he's a he's the real freaking deal. I can't. I, mm-hmm. I was like, I can't believe I even freaking thought about that. You know, like you like to begin yeah. with. Oh, sure. I, I mean, no, I don't think anybody just th- thinks of that in a natural way. You know, it's definitely like a progression of like what's the next thing that would challenge him, and mm-hmm. I guess he's always trying to test you know the limits of what a human body can do. Mm-hmm. But it is incredible, you know, what he's done. <laughs> Why do you think that, um, I guess, information like that isn't more more mainstream? Because I would assume monks have a – they have an idea of that. If not, they can do already all of that. But why do you yeah, think that yeah. isn't, like, mainstream, like, for other – for most people? I don't know. I mean, that's a, that's a really complicated question. I think, uh, you know, even Wim Hof himself says that he got a lot of his teachings from uh, – from you know monks and you know these are ancient techniques that have been going on in India and Asia for for you know thousands of years yeah. almost you know so he he's not he's not taking I don't think he's ever taken credit for any of that stuff but mm-hmm. yeah I, I think in terms of why it's not a main why it's not a mainstream idea I think a it's pretty hard like you have to it, it requires a fair bit of um, you have to commit to it it's not like mm-hmm. you can do it for a couple of weeks and all of a sudden you feel different you have to do it over months and over years and that's when you really start to see the strength of that mm-hmm. and then on top of that if i were to sort of throw my little uh just off the top of my head sort of sociological analysis of it i think that there's in the west particularly we have a tradition that is more focused around um focused around healing immediate problems so mm-hmm. like when you get sick you take a tablet you know that's the culture of it it's more of that rather than uh, developing preventative measures for your health or like, mm. you know, developing more long-term things like just good cardio exercises, yeah. and, you know, things like that. We, we're just in a culture of like quick fixes. <laughs> what, what do you think about the culture of quick fixes? I, I personally prefer like taking care of yourself like the long-term way like hey mm-hmm. like let, let's let's go on a run let's go work out um eat better drink a lot of it's water. like insurance right it's mm-hmm. like exercise is like your insurance mm-hmm. against your when you have to build up that you have to keep depositing money into the yeah. insurance thing like you got to keep paying it you know yeah 
um, I don't know. Um, what what do you think about like quick fixes? Though, are you like against them? Are you are you for them? Or or what are your thoughts on that? Um, I mean, everything is everything's a balance, man. Like you know, I think you if I think balance is just the key in everything, and mm-hmm. there's a time and a place for for a quick fix, and there's reasons that we um, that we do things that we're that we're able to just pivot and make quick decisions and so you need to have i think that kind of mindset Mm -hmm. as well in the right um in the right context but yeah i think i think it's a i think it's a you know a bit of both i'm trying to think of like a real world scenario Mm -hmm. sort of thing um i mean i feel like we do that a lot in the work that we do as uh as musicians like we make we we sort of create we create little quick fixes as we're like writing as we're writing songs that might be the right decision in that moment, but you know, you're going to come back to it and like refine it and give it some sort of, uh, give that decision some longevity, whether it's like oh, okay. the melody that you write in, uh, in a verse, you know, but we know how to do quick fixes, like how to make a thing real catchy in the moment. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, it's about going back and really ironing that out and still making that, oh, making okay. that, uh, you know, so it sounds like you're like really good at improvising then as well at the same time, huh? I th- I like to think so. My like my my musical background is definitely I'm um, a jazz piano player. Like that's uh, I'm not I'm not a trained musician, but mm-hmm. I did um, teach myself piano, and then later on I did uh, I did a year or two of m- more jazz focused piano uh, training. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was always super into the improvisational. That's what's up. I'm- sort of thing yeah no yeah i i respect that i feel like that's a that takes like a certain talent to be able to do that because not a lot of people can think on the spot like that you know yeah i mean it's a it's that's the incredible thing about certain uh, about music is if you get the building blocks of it like you know for example the very first time that i that this kind of really blew my mind was um i was at uh I was, a, I was a kid in high school and I worked at a little community radio station. Like when I say worked, I just sat by the guys who ran the place and like watched them do the thing. Cause I was obsessed with the big equipment and the, yeah. the mixing desks. And initially I thought I was going to be like a radio DJ because mm-hmm. I, that, that was, I also loved that. And one of the guys at the dead, so one morning I'm sitting there, you know, playing the piano, just playing my little, I only knew a couple of pieces. But um, one of the guys who was running the radio station came up to me and he was like, hey, let me show you something. And he shows me like a really, really basic C minor blues scale. You know, it's a five note scale. Okay. Really simple in C minor. And he, and he goes, uh, you play this on the bottom. So, I'm, so, you know, I'm playing the chords in the bottom and he's like, now watch, I can just play any note in this scale and it's going to be right. So that's improvising. So you have a rule book, you have like, the building blocks and you have the framework where you, of the notes you can improvise within and you start playing with that. And I remember the first time I realized that he was just playing these five notes in any combination, in any order. And it sounded good because it was in the right key and we were improvising in that key. And it just, just the idea of this blew my mind. I was like, you mean you can take the context and just like this scale mm-hmm. and now I can play anything and it'll work. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, so what's yeah, a, improvisation is, is is a beautiful thing. Yeah. No, yeah, that that sounds like it's something that like I I think it's been engraved in you. I think that's I feel like something like that stuck with you from when you were younger to obviously shaped into who you are as a producer. So I think that's that's really unique. Who 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 would you say has been like the biggest? um component to um to your motivation is there like any producer any person that you've looked up to that like you're like hey this is like my idol and i want to be be like him or anything of that sort uh in terms of like the music i really loved and the, the music that made me want to be a producer was definitely sort of like everyone of my age is like the super producer era we grew up in that mm -hmm. time like it was like pharrell and timberland and uh, Dark Child and you know these were sort of, sort of the heavy hit and obviously Max Martin on the like super Swedish pop side mm -hmm. and somewhere between Max Martin and Pharrell they were like the two guys I I really really um, you know admired and I knew the whole catalog and yeah. I used to study the music and then you know later on because I uh, my parents used to play obviously Michael Jackson and Prince and all this kind of stuff so growing up on that obviously Quincy Jones massive um, massive influence on me and I think Pharrell and that sort of super producer era is probably more my influence in terms of the work I do but mm -hmm. when I think about the type of career and the breadth of it that I want that's really like the Quincy Jones thing like that's why you know I, I, I do TV scoring um, I scored a couple of films you know I'm, I'm doing another one this this year and, you know, I want that side as well as the record production side. And eventually I want to get more into actual production for, um, you know, TV and film projects as well. So, you know, Quincy is the blueprint for all of that kind of longevity and just the sheer like breadth of catalog across genres, across different mediums, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and even in terms of the way he brought people in and he nurtured talent underneath him, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, so super uh, influential and I definitely I definitely am trying to you know model model the long game off that kind of a career no yeah I think it's important to have like that consistency in something like you said that that longevity um, I guess referencing back to um, to Pharrell then I mean since he's been like one of your biggest inspiration how was meeting him how how was that moment for you Yeah, the first time it was, it was, it was really cool. We, we were in a small group of people who were watching like the premiere of Despicable Me too. And he, <laughs> you know, he'd, he'd done a, a lot of the music for that. And I think we were probably maybe the first group of people to hear the song Happy, you know, and <laughs> which obviously is one of his biggest things that he's, that he's ever done amongst so many hits that he's had. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, it was really cool. I, I think the first thing I said to him was, um, I told him I was a huge fan of the SWV uh, music that he did, which that, for people who don't know, that's like very, very deep catalog for uh, like, if you know that you're probably like a huge fan because not a lot of people know uh, the stuff he did with SWV. And he was like, oh, I think he was taken back. He was like, oh, you know that stuff? Yeah. That's really cool. <laughs> that's dope, man. I, I mean, let, let me ask you this as well. Um, obviously, since you've been, you've worked with a bunch of, of really famous people um do you still get like starstruck or is it more like i'm used to it type of thing or, or how is that because obviously I, I wouldn't know that perspective so i am curious yeah I, I don't think i really get starstruck most of the people i've worked with have sort of been my contemporaries there's there's been a few people like sort of legendary 
artists that I've worked with where, you know, maybe there was like a little moment of a starstruck thing, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, then again, something happens in the studio when we're writing, mm-hmm. it's the great leveler, you know, there's something oh. about like when, and I think great artists have a way of doing this as well. They have a way of making everybody in the room feel like they're at an equal level mm-hmm. of, and that's, and that's how you get the best songs, right? There's in oh. the room, there's no hierarchy. Like you might be, uh, Demi might, maybe she's sold, you know, hundreds of millions of records, whatever yeah. she's done at this point. Uh, but when she's in the room, you just feel like she's, we're all doing this together. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I can't, I can't honestly say I've been starstruck like in the writing process of it. Cause oh. I feel like I have, I, from my side, I also try to make sure that we're all playing at this level, you know? Mm-hmm. And then it's like but maintaining that professionalism as well. Correct. Yeah, and from an ego point of view, it's like just try to leave the egos at the door because that's yeah. when you get the best work inside the room. It's when you create sort of a safe space where everybody feels like um, they're there for a reason and that their contribution is as valuable as everybody else's, you know, mm-hmm. in the room. That's really cool. I, I guess I never thought about it like from that perspective. I, I I wasn't sure exactly what I was expecting when I asked that answer, but I do know that like that's that's an interesting perspective. It's like you said, it's a great equalizer. And yeah, I don't know. Let, let me ask you this as well. Um, I guess since COVID started, how how has that impacted your work? Are you still collaborating with them in person, or is it like online, or, or how has that has that been for you? Yeah, there there was a lot of initially we had to really do a quick adjustment into sort of the virtual world of writing on zoom and doing that thing. But, um, you know, I was very, I very quickly sort of figured that it wasn't my favorite way of working. So I, I was only doing maybe one session like that every week. Okay. And, uh, you know, luckily as, as a producer, I was very lucky last year where I was, um, getting stuff from labels to finish on the production side. So I was doing a lot of work just on my own, mm-hmm. uh, track work, mixing stuff and doing things. And, you know, I just basically pivoted to that side of thing. And one of the things that, um, that the COVID year really, really gave us was it, it, it was strange because it, it started, you, you start figuring out what are the priorities and everything sort of slowed down for a moment and you start to think, okay, let me take a step back and how do I move forward? So I actually took a lot of time just going back to learning stuff. You know, it's just crazy. Like just going on YouTube and learning how to do different things, mixing processes or production things, how to use different types of software, Mm -hmm. how to work, you know, in the analog synth world, how to do, um, you know, how to work, how to work hardware since and how to do different things, you know, just upping the skill set. And then, yeah, a lot of finishing production stuff. And I had a great year. I mean, I had probably 17 records out last year, which is like really, yeah, it it just happened to be a really great year. So there was a lot of things that trickled in from the year before that came out during COVID, but yeah, you know, it was just a really interesting yeah, shift in priorities. And I think some of that has um, dripped into this year, but now we're starting to get back into more in-person sessions, which is, yeah, which is great. Cause there's, I, I still think there's nothing like working in person. 
<laughs> I I agree. I feel like sometimes, like at, at least for me, like I go out and like over the whole Zoom thing. I'm like, I just want to be out and about. I want to like do my own thing. I want that freedom. I'm like, let's right. just get the vaccine. Let's let's go back to normal. Uh, exactly. Let's get. Let's I, do it. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, dude. I'm ready. I've been ready. You know. I'm like, I got the energy. Like, it just feels like it's it's annoying. Like just being like stuffed in a room and like and it's at home. Like it's just like for me, I get like sick of the environment. You know. Like I made it as comfortable Same. as like yeah. I, I made it as comfortable as i can but i'm like i don't want to be here anymore i yeah i feel you trust me i get that yeah i i didn't i think there is some advantages to working at home obviously you just uh you can just chill in your like pjs whatever just I, figure out a way to work it's kind of nice i used to wake up like two minutes before my shift <laughs> yeah i was like shit our time to work I, I would just put on a hat like ready for the zoom meeting or whatever that, that's what oh, yeah. i used to do personally i was like shit i i mean i know a lot more people that are like are, are like do like they, they shower like an hour before they get their coffee they make their breakfast i'm like i've never super been prepared like that. yeah i've never been like that <laughs> yeah no me too it's pretty bad I, I thought i'd at least try to get better at that but that uh yeah that didn't <laughs> didn't quite end up like that i was definitely as lazy as i'd ever been from that <laughs> point of view <laughs> but i feel like it's because you work smarter not harder though there you go. That's what I keep <laughs> Let's let's say that. Let's say that's what it is. <laughs> I think let's so. Let's call it that. I, I think it's that. Plus, uh, like I said, it's like the improvisation. It, 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 they, those two things go hand in hand, whether you realize it or not, at least from yeah. from my perspective. Um, but yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I did want to ask this as well, too. For producers that are – or people that are looking to get into producing, what is – what is there anything that you recommend? I did see on TikTok that you had a few books, but do you mind relaying that for people that um, that are listening to this? Yeah, sure. I think you. I think the production thing is interesting because it's worth considering. You know, which angle you want to you want to come at it from. You know, if you are trying to be uh, a guy that places lots of beats, if you're in that space in the hip hop space and the R and B sort of world of things then you're gonna end up spending your time like just getting good at the craft of beat making mm -hmm. but if you want to be like a producer in the record business where we are in the song business so you have to have songs you have to try to co-write you have to try to develop networks of co-writers so if you're mm -hmm. a producer that makes tracks but doesn't necessarily write songs or maybe that's not the, your best, your biggest strength hmm. make sure that you collaborate with really good songwriters and get song demos because one of the things i get sent more often than not is i get sent by many producers all over the world all the time i'm getting sent beats you know instrumentals tracks all this kind of stuff but you know there, there, there's there's a there's places for that i think that what impresses me what stands out to me more is when people send me full songs full records Okay. Um, because that means that means I can help them out in a very immediate way. If the song's mm -hmm. good enough, I can help them pitch it and place the record. But if it's an instrumental, what a lot of people don't understand is, yeah, I'm happy to listen to it, but I'm so busy. Like I'm already working at this point. It's virtually impossible that I'm suddenly going to jump on that person's track and help them. <laughs> you know, it's just mm -hmm. I don't have time for that. So it's it's great to hear people's talent and stuff like that, but. I think if you're a producer trying to be in the record business, focus on getting songs and mm -hmm. producing songs, you know, unless you're going to come at it from the beat, from the beat maker thing. And as far as like advice, yeah, just 
work at it every day, try to learn one new thing a day. I'm still doing that. I still try to learn one new thing a day, whether it's, um, it can be a technical thing. It can be a, something to do with the business, you know, learning about new ways of distributing records, learning about how to uh, game TikTok. You know, a lot of beat makers mm. are starting to do that in a really successful way now. And, I've seen that you know, recently, yeah. So, yeah. Once again, I know I get that's a very, uh, that's a long-winded answer to your question. <laughs> no, no, I'm like, that's exactly what this podcast is for. Um, I mean, like I said, I, w- I want to hear your thoughts. I want to hear your perspective. I guess for... Um, I want to ask you this. This isn't for me. This is for a friend that I have in, in mind because I cannot fucking sing for shit. <laughs> but um, I want to ask you this because I have a friend that's really trying <laughs> to get into uh, and he's, he's been singing for years. What what would be like a good piece of advice for him to, I guess, to breaking into the industry or for anyone listening that, that sings that is trying to do that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that it's a good time if you have a good voice and you're you're able to uh, sound like people, you know, sound or even try to approximate that. Yeah. Get started on um, go to sound alike, you know, make sure you register yourself there and start seeing people's demos. You know, that's a great uh-huh. way to get your voice out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I know, I mean, I used to work with a bunch of pretty big songwriters who started as demo singers for me who I, you know, I would pay them to sing demos for me. And then yeah. that's how they got into the world of like, okay, this producer knows them. And eventually they'll just, one day they'll say, oh, um, you know, I write as well. Why don't we just write something together? And all of a sudden they're in that sort of game, you know? That's cool. Okay. But, so it's just like, you know. like, it's kind of like how your story is. It's just like, it's just like connections and networking and it's like building your way up and up. And then when the right opportunity presents itself, it just presents itself. I mean, does your friend write songs or are they just a singer? Or? Um, they write songs and they're a singer uh, and they play piano as well. Um, okay. I'm, I'm going to get him on the podcast. I'm not, I haven't talked to him in years, but I just thought of him in mind because we were going back and forth today. And, and I was like, hey, I, I was like, get on Clubhouse. I mean, that's about as far as I know. I'm like, maybe you can meet somebody there. I just sent him an invite. Uh, I don't think he's fucking respond i don't even think if he's on there i sent it to him today like uh, to be fair but i'm like dude i'm like just put yourself out there i'm like it doesn't hurt yeah, you know yeah. there's no risk and, to it. and i think you touched on a really important point which is and i've seen this so many times where like people who are talented are either um shy or lazy or mm-hmm. non-responsive or they don't they don't have the other side of it and mm-hmm. hard look hard work beats talent 100 yeah. of the time always you know mm-hmm. and people who have the who you know who are able to sort of face their fears about put just putting their stuff out there and mm-hmm. um just getting real feedback because that's the power of what we have in the internet is like you can put something out mm-hmm. and get very real responses from it all the time you know mm-hmm. and uh people who are sort of fearless when it comes to that they're the ones that that win because it's never going to be perfect as soon as you put it out you know mm-hmm. but um it's a way of motivating yourself it's a way of facing i think the fear of getting out there which is i understand that that is a big deal for a lot of people but mm. um that's the only way you know yeah and i think people people love when people are like vulnerable and honest and uh 
put themselves out there like that for the most part, you know. I know. I I love that you said that, that hard work beats talent because I feel like that's been like the story of my life. I'm like I have no talent, but I'm like I will. You work hard, yeah. <laughs> but I'm like I'm always gonna like put the effort because I'm like I I mean I've had nothing. I don't I don't want nothing. I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on the podcast. I'm gonna focus on the gym. I'm just gonna focus on like connecting that. with people and i'm like it's always been like tough for me it's always been like i've never been like that one person that like had talent as six as a good singer i've always been like i got like little little bits little bits so, like going up like half a step at a time you know that's that's been like well, my look you're finding your thing and like you know you're obviously working and uh you know you're persistent and yeah you know that's that's the thing that wins yeah man i'm like and I feel like you. I feel like you resemble that. So when when you moved from um, Australia, did you? Well, what intention did you have when you came to LA? Was there like a certain role that you were looking to to be in, or or how was that? My whole goal at that point in my life was I knew that I needed to leave Australia because the uh, this environment was very stifling for me, and I just mm -hmm. knew that that. I, it's very hard to make a life out of anything creative in Australia. It's a very small country. It's a very small market. Uh -huh. And, uh, you know, I tried a couple of things there and I never really got taken seriously. I, I worked in bands and I was getting paid a little bit, but not much. And I just knew that if I really wanted to make a go of it, I had to leave completely and start again in a new place and like, um, yeah, just build something without the fear of anything, mm -hmm. you know, and without just just separating myself from my whole context, which is a lot of people who move to LA do do it for that reason, because they feel the same way, you know, they just don't feel like they belong where mm -hmm. they grew up in. And that's basically what, what was happening. And my whole goal really wasn't initially, I had a very broad idea of what I was going to do. I was like, not, it wasn't like I thought I'm going to be a, this producer songwriter, my actual my actual basic goal was in my head. I was like, all I want to do is make a living from music and not have to do anything else. Cause I did, I did stuff before that, you know, I worked yeah. in corporate, I worked all kinds of like insane jobs. Even when I moved to LA, I did some of the craziest job, but I was at least working towards the music thing. So, mm -hmm. you know, I was still trying to do that. And yeah, honestly, you know, they were the struggle years, but when I look back on them, they were also some of the most fun and uh, some of the best times, you know, I, I wouldn't uh, trade them for anything. But yeah, the initial, to come back to the question, the initial goal was never as specific as what I'm doing now. I just mm -hmm. sort of, I think my strengths, I was, um, I've always been fairly good at like identifying if I'm not good enough to compete in a world to like pivot and find my strength and work my strengths into mm -hmm. this other thing, you know? So initially I was a gigging musician in LA and I was playing bands, but I very soon quickly realized that uh, I was just not good enough as a musician. I was like, this is, there are so many inc just phenomenal, amazing musicians in this town, mm -hmm. you know? And I was like, I'm not going to be able to last in this game very long. So let me do the thing that I think is my strength, which is like the writing production arrangement. That was my thing, you know? So mm -hmm. I was like, let me pivot into that. And, you know, that worked out you know so it sounds like you have like a like a really like i think it's instinctual but like an entrepreneurial like instinct because like you you were able to analyze that and a lot of people like that like so there's a certain time and place for like for giving up unfortunately but like it looks like you found your niche and then you dug into it because you saw there was an opportunity 
And because if you hadn't done that, you wouldn't be where you're at right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, and, you know, it's like I said, it's a bit of both. I think you have to be cognizant and aware enough to understand when you should follow a path because that's mm-hmm. the thing that is in line with your strengths. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the other thing is like, especially in music, the the music that you love is not always the music you should be making. You know, like the music I personally love to listen to is definitely not the music I like make. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, li- I, I listen to like the grimiest, grimiest, like hip hop and like uh-huh. the most like obscure instrumental music and indie stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just because I love that music doesn't mean I should make it. And I, that's not my strength. My strength is like in the pop world. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's a bit of like identifying when you should play into your strengths but then also what i find is the universe will also tell you that you're not good enough to do this or that you should be following that and it's up to you to like spot those little signs Mm -hmm. and just kind of like you know take take those things uh yeah take those things on board Mm, it's like yeah taking the correct path but it's sometimes it's difficult though because at the same time it's like people don't want to like admit that they're giving up which in theory you're you're really not like you said you're focusing more on uh, on your strengths in particular. Um, yeah, I guess you're not giving up. You're not giving up at all. I mean, the whole world that we live in now is we're moving towards niche niches, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of times, the people who are very successful in music are the people who just dig really, really hard into a very small thing that they do. One thing they do better than everybody else because that's how competitive it is. You know, like. Like the DJ Mustard has a sound that he does, you know, it's that LA based thing. And he just like digs so hard into that thing that nobody can do it better yeah. than him. And that's been huge, wildly successful for him, you know? And, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that's what it comes down to as well, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Finding no, the I... thing you specialize in. No, yeah, specializing is key in, in everything you do. Like, for example, like, I guess, like, something simple. Like, um, a few days ago, I had somebody who was really good, like, at SEO, and he does, like, he, he, he specifies in a certain field. My mom, like, sells, like, vans. Like, it's, like, there's always, like, little opportunities. You just have to find them before they're taken away. Like, it doesn't, like, matter what it is because there's so many so many components in every single industry. I mean, just go on, like, on the eBay category list. You can narrow it down to one thing. I have a friend that makes... That's a great point. I have a friend that makes, like, a, like 2,000 books off selling, like, pizza socks. So I'm like, really? Yeah. Great. Good for him. On wow. Amazon, I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, that's very interesting, you know? Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, there's all. I mean, there is. Uh, there really is an audience for everything, you know. That's the other thing. So, um, yeah, not giving up is one thing, but then really, really believing in the thing that you're doing as well is is super important as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, that's one of the things that really resonated with you as well, that I think I'm personally on the same boat when you were, when you were like, I want to come over here and, and, and do things on my own terms and, and make a living out of it for something that I enjoy. That's, that, mm-hmm. that's pretty much where I'm at because I've, I've never, I've never wanted to work for, for someone or, or anything along those lines. I, I hate being like micromanaged. Like I want to do my own sure. thing. Like I want to create my own schedule. That's, that's been like. I don't know. It's just something that I'm like huge on. I'm like, I've always hated like following the rules. I'm like, ah, you know, I know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, it is a thing like once you get used to the luxury of that, of being able to, um, you know, do stuff on your own schedule and that, 
lifestyle as much as many that there it comes with its own stresses obviously but mm. once you get used to that it is very hard to go back into uh working in somebody else's system <laughs> yeah no 100 percent. how does the schedule look like for uh for you in particular like is it your own hours or is it like as long as you get the work done you're good or, or how does that look like it's pretty much my own hours i mean i i get um i have to i definitely liaise with my publisher one chapel and my management who they a lot of times coordinate sessions for me and uh they'll come to me with session ideas like mm. you know would you like to work with this person or they'll get requests normally from their side but for people who want to work with me and i'll sort of yes or no them so there is some coordination mm. in terms of a practical sense so week to week we sort of manage the calendar between uh, me and my team mm. uh but then yeah a lot of the times honestly it's the every day is different my i have to be in a situation where um i'm flexible enough that i can drop something at any point and just like run off into a session that is uh sort of an important thing that i have to get done if that if that's what's necessary so yeah i definitely always keep a bit of slack in my day that for unexpected things that uh can show up and always tend to show up to it's, be honest. it's that improvisation that you have it always it's going back to that i think i think that's why you're perfect in the role that you're currently at uh, man. <laughs> that's a guy i never thought about like that but you're you're right i think <laughs> <laughs> what's uh what's been your favorite song that you've produced up to this date oh uh, that's that's, that's tough. a tough I think one huh my favorite one is probably something that's not really out yet mm-hmm. but um in terms of just the just the like journey of it and how unexpected it was and what it did for um what it did for me you know i'm always gonna have a soft spot for for the chris brown record because that really was the thing that changed changed my life i'm Mm -hmm. super attached also to the demi record because again there's a whole bigger story around how that came together and it was one of those things like we talked about earlier where the opportunity met the perfect storm moment, you know, and, yeah. and it was just insane how that came together. Yeah. Just uh, an incredible combination of luck and opportunity, you know, <laughs> it sounds, you know, it sounds like you have like a bunch of like a bunch of little traits that put you in that position because obviously you were, you were calling like leaving like 20 voicemails. Like you, you even have that, I don't know if you've ever been in sales, but it, it sounds like you have a sales side of you as well on top of that. I was in, I was in uh, phone sales, actually. Oh, uh, me too. I was in Australia. <laughs> you just said, yeah. At AT&T. Cold calling, you know, that yeah. was my thing, yeah. I, I did, um, I, well, at this job, I was at a tech job in Irvine, so I was doing a lot of cold oh, calling cool. for like six months. I hated it. But then before oh. that, um, I worked at AT&T for like three or four years. Oh wow, that's not. Nice. Was that inbound or outbound? Uh, it wasn't even at a call center. It was a. It was at an actual store. Oh, at an actual store. Yeah, I. It's funny when I used to do the call, the call out work. Um, obviously it's terrible work. It's really, <laughs> oh, it's really so tough, dirty. and you know, it really like messes with your head as well. You know, because yeah. you're just constantly getting yelled at on the phone. But, <laughs> but what I realized later when I moved to LA, I actually realized that I learned so many skills from that, and mm-hmm. I learned to not take things personally on the phone. I learned, um, yeah, how to be persistent, how to get people's attention on a call. I, and I think I learned the value of the phone call. And I, and to this day, you know, if I can call someone, I'm getting on the phone because I think everybody's emailing, but I think the competitive advantage is the phone because it's something 
so human about hearing somebody's voice mm-hmm. on the phone that makes people give you a bit more patience, give you a little bit more time, and it just creates that interaction in a way that email never will do. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And I think that's why Clubhouse is honestly really cool right now as well because of the, the voice element. You know, it's not like tweeting. It's not like posting on Instagram. It's got that sort of really, really, really deep, you know, mm-hmm. biological thing of hearing each other, hearing people's voices, you know. I, yeah, I just I just joined Clubhouse. It's been like the strangest thing for me like over the past few weeks. I'm like, where the hell? <laughs> Do you like it? I really enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, you can meet everyone like off the different faces of the earth. It's just like, I, I mean, sometimes I'll wake up like the middle of the night. I'm like, hey, we're from we're from France. So we're like we're talking about like food i'm like or they're like talking about like engineering i'm like i don't even know what's going on but i'm really curious you know yeah i mean i love i love it as a place to like yeah like you said just uh listen to people who have a completely different area of expertise from you Mm -hmm. and just learning cool stuff i mean through it was through clubhouse that i got super involved in like the world of nfts and you know that whole thing I, i was always quite deep into the um crypto investment side but mm-hmm. uh getting yeah sort of dipping my toe into nfts and the, all of that has been happening through clubhouse which has been yeah really cool i love it i don't i don't know I, I can't i couldn't tell if you were being sarcastic or not but are, aren't you actually coming out with an nft was that serious i am i am yeah, yeah so i'm actually would, doing a that. series um I'll, I'll yeah i'll share it with you when we're approaching the the drop of that but me my friend uh and julie who's she's a really uh, accomplished Canadian artist. She's like won a Juno award and all these different things. And we've actually, so we're doing music pieces that we have collaborated with a visual artist called mm-hmm. Gio. He's over in Italy, an incredible visual artist. And um, yeah, he's basically taken a bunch of our sort of these experimental pieces of music that we've made and mm-hmm. put them to visuals. Okay. And so we're, um, yeah, we're dropping those. It's a, series of nfts that's based around the creative process mm-hmm. so like um you know birthing something creative going through the process of uh the doubt the illusion the questioning the creation itself and then sort of coming out the other side of that and yeah it's a three-part series we're launching on the 23rd we have a feature on foundation and for people who are like really in the know we're doing a um we're doing a launch party on decentraland okay um yeah, so you know, we definitely would love for people to uh, come in and yeah. yeah, check out, check it out online. No, know? I'll I'll be in there. Yeah, send me the link. I'll put it onto the um, onto the description of the podcast. But that's so fucking cool, man. I, yeah. I, when did you first find out about NFTs and what did you think? Because for me, I I had somebody on who does like like Snapchat lenses, like AR. He does all this stuff, and he's really into NFTs. And I remember I was so fucking confused. I'm like, this is so cool at the same. It is confusing. It's so confusing. But then when I found out that like somebody sold one of them for like 69 million, I was like, whoa, 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 hold up. Wait, what? (laughs) Right. Hold on a second. (laughs) Give me one Uh, minute. What's going on? (laughs) What did you think? I was the same as you. I mean, I think that it's just even people who because it's such an early tick thing still, you know, even though now there's a lot of hype around it it's still we're still at this interesting intersection where even the people who are in really really deep in the nft world don't really know what it's going to become you yeah. know there's a lot of everybody's uh, got got theories about what it is and where the value is and whether this is a bubble and whether mm-hmm. um you know 
whether these prices are sustainable, you know, all this kind of thing, whether it is going to exist in the same way that the, that the physical art world exists, mm -hmm. which is kind of what we're getting at, um, you know, what the applications of NFTs are in every industry, not just art and music, but in everything, because it is, uh, you know, a unique blockchain token, all this kind of stuff. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think there's just so many unknowns, but that's what makes it a super exciting space. And mm -hmm. that's what, if you're, if you're someone who likes to take bets and if you're a sort of an early adopter, I, I like to consider myself as fairly early adopter on the tech side. Um, yeah, it's, it's super exciting. I, I was introduced to it towards the end of last year. Mm -hmm. And then I got in touch with the founders of, of foundation, which is one of the big exchanges. And, mm -hmm. uh, they were very gracious and really, really good to me. And they, uh, knew that I was, you know, a person, a legit person in the music business. So yeah. they gave me a creator account without, any uh any fuss and it's been really cool to like explore it i've minted two pieces so far that have sold and oh, shoot. but they were just to, they were just as little tests yeah um, but this series is really like i'm we're really trying to put some effort and um i'm like really really proud of the work as well for this one so that's I'm amazing i guess um once you have the creator account what are the steps to to create an nft because that's something I, i've never heard about i just seen them up for like auction and all that and i know i can google it but i was like since i have you here i was like how do, how is that process yeah well yeah well it depends what the medium that you're working in you know you can make anything in nft you know a lot, a lot of the work that i did was like have you heard of video. tim dylan sorry have you heard of tim dylan no he's a I, I, the only reason why i found out you can do it out of anything is because he he's selling a clip or i think he's already sold it over like he is making fun of like megan mccain and uh, it's so stupid it was like the, the it's so hilarious but he he made fun of her for like a minute or just a bunch like it was like the right. most offensive thing you could think of and he's put it up for like to ethereum i'm like what the hell i was like he was like you can do wow. it anything like he like went on a pole. yeah man that's you really can and it's like a digital collectible you know you so so whatever your thing is basically you just have to create the nft and then you have to do go through what they call the minting process which is like where you place through foundation or through whichever exchange you do it on you basically upload it to the blockchain yeah and so that that's a whole process in itself where you uh you need a crypto wallet and you have to pay these uh gas fees to have yeah. it posted up there and you know that's a whole nother process what are interested in that what are you uh what are you into in regards to crypto oh in terms of what are the coins yeah are you invested in anything or is there anything that catches your eye that you're like shit it might be like yeah. a good potential buy um yeah i mean currently i have a pretty i have a pretty solid sort of base in the major in the major coins um ethereum bitcoin litecoin and then you know I've definitely, I definitely have positions in a couple of uh, smaller things like Engine and Flow, which I love, you know, by Dapper Labs. Flow is actually the coin that underpins um, the technology behind NBA Top Shots, which is another NFT website type digital collectible thing. And I think that's a super solid project. Stacks, I love Stacks, STX. Um, yeah, there's there's a bunch of them, you know. I, <laughs> I haven't heard of Flow and Stacks. I'm gonna have to take a look into that. Yeah, how, what how, what yeah. caught your attention about that? Uh, well, Stacks is inter is an interesting project because it's probably the first. I I know other coins are doing it now, but they're the first to. Um, it's called Stacks because they do this um staking 
which I don't know if you know about that, but basically they take, you buy a bunch of stacks, you put it into a stacking wallet and what it actually holds this holds the STX in this wallet and Bitcoin miners then mine more Bitcoin out of that. And so you get paid interest out of that account in Bitcoin. So it's like having a bank account that pays interest in Bitcoin. So it's quite, it's, it's just basically a passive way to make more income without having to constantly invest uh, yeah. more and more in Bitcoin. You just are getting interest back in Bitcoin through, uh, through the stacking wallets. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think it's super, it's a little bit, it's starting to get a little bit more um, attention now in the community, but you know, I think there's still time to get in on it. And I think once people find out how um, amazing that sort of passive Bitcoin earning capacity is, it's going to really, really blow up, I think. Yeah, no, I think, I think, I think it, it, it seems like it's more mainstream to you because you're in that world, but I, I'd like to think I'm decently in that world, but I've never heard of that. I'm not like obviously yeah. like hardcore, but like I'm like aware of it. And then I know a lot of people that, don't even know what the hell Bitcoin is like to begin with. So I'm like, yeah, no, it sounds like you're still in like the really early stages of it all. I get, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I would look at Anchor as well, ANKR. Okay. It's another good um, coin that underpins a lot of the the basic uh, BNB transaction in Binance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that they're they're a good one. So you know, there's a few of those. I always <laughs> fuck this up, so forgive me. And one of my friends that listens to the podcast is going to hate me because he's corrected me like three or four times. Um, have you put any money in, what is it, Doggy Do- Dogecoin? Dogecoin. <laughs> I fuck that one up all the time. Uh, no, I know. I, I honestly didn't. I mean, I had some in there, and I think I probably sold it all at this point. But, yeah, um, yeah no, I mean, that that's one of those things where, like, it's just a, a, it's just a fun uh, – <laughs> And any serious crypto investor is not really in that in any serious way. You know, we're not yeah. thinking about <laughs> making money from that. It's cool to be part of the game, which yeah. is, but it's cool to be. It's like being in. It's like being part of an in joke. You know? That's <laughs> yeah. <what it> is. <laughs> no, yeah, an in joke that Elon Musk runs because he's basically the leader of. Uh, exactly. Of, yeah. Literally, that he. He's the meme lord. You know. <laughs> Yeah, literally he is. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, this is my speculation in regards to like NFTs. Because have you heard that there's like digital real estate now and all these things? Yeah. Uh, so that's the Decentraland thing. So on Decentraland, oh, okay. yeah. If you buy a mana, M-A-N-A, which is the, the coin that, that you use in Decentraland, mm-hmm. uh, you can buy yeah land. And actually all the land is currently bought up in Decentraland. And now it's on the secondary market. So now you have to buy it from people who already own it. So that's how quickly this stuff is starting to um, play out already. You know. So it's like they're reselling it like... Like yeah. when yeah. remember when Elon Musk had the flamethrowers and then people just started reselling like with the higher markup. Mm-hmm. It's exactly it's exactly that. So it's exactly that. When you say that all the land is bought up, what does that land like comprise of? Is it like another like Earth or, or like a country or what is it exactly? Well, it's land in Decentraland, right? So it's basically think of Decentraland as another country. It's like a decentralized nation state, say, yeah. and it exists virtually. Obviously, it's not in the phys- in the physical world, but it exists yeah. in the online world. And uh, yeah, people, I mean, it's crazy. You can buy land, you can build places on there, you can like create galleries, you can sell. I think eventually you'll be able to sell products in your <laughs> little space on Decentraland, but there's all kinds of stuff um, 
building up in that place. It's just, uh, it's incredible. I mean, it, it's another one of these things where I personally don't know what it means, but yeah. I'm just like there for the ride, you know, and I don't think it, I don't think it's a fad. I don't think it's going away anywhere. My speculation is that we're going to go to like that, that VR Elon Musk technology and we're probably going to end up living there or something along those lines. That's what <laughs> I am like. I'm like, that's a wild speculation. I know, but I'm like, that's what I'm with Neuralink and everything. I'm like, shit, I don't even know anymore. But yeah, I mean, like I said, Elon Musk is pretty much carving the way for, for the digital world and I'm sure other people will follow. So that's like been like my speculation, but yeah, I guess the only reason why I found out that there's like that that digital world is because the guy that I was telling you about, Tim Dillon, he's like so controversial, but he doesn't care. He was saying, I'm going to buy like a jail and free all the inmates and let let them go like loose and like the, the, the decentralized land. I'm like, what the fuck? I kind of, yeah. I mean, yeah, I like that. I like that attitude. You know, people who want to sh- really shake up the 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 way things are i think there's nothing wrong with that yeah no me too that's why like i listen to him all the time like almost religiously because he doesn't care at all i'm like i like you yeah i, I guess sounds I, like a disruptor yes sir a hundred percent he's uh he's been on joe rogan a lot i, I don't know if you uh, listen to joe rogan uh i do yeah i haven't i haven't uh i mean i've heard the big ones obviously the kanye i saw the elon musk oh yeah yeah. The, uh, yeah i'm not caught up at this point i i really am into like uh the Tim Ferriss podcast is another one that I love uh, by this guy, Chamant. He, he runs him and his buddies are really big players in the VC world. And mm-hmm. uh, they have a really, really great uh, podcast. It's called, I'll tell you what it's called. I'm going to look it up right yeah, now. Yeah. It's called, I think it's called the All In Podcast. Okay. Uh, is that what it's called? Wait, I'm going to find this. Yeah, it's called All In. That's the name of the podcast. Really, okay. really, especially if, if anybody's into all this kind of stuff, you know, investment, crypto, whatever, the latest things in the world from, you know, for me, it's always like, I think that's the beauty of Clubhouse and some of these other things is you can get the, you can get real insight from these sort of 1% players, you know, and see how they view all this, which I think is the ultimate ways you want to get advice from people who know more than you who are better than you at whatever that is you know <laughs> no yeah a hundred percent um is there is there a certain podcast that like from from that one that you recommended like a, a certain episode that that you started off because i've never listened to them but i definitely want to give it a listen because i'm not too familiar with all of that yeah i can see one the the one on the one of the recent tim ferris ones is with this guy called um biology i can't remember what his name but he's like one of these just tech wizard guys in silicon valley and he's very knowledgeable about all the uh crypto space and Mm -hmm. the future of it and you know all this kind of stuff the sort of path to uh you know wealth in the new world all this kind of stuff that he talks about super interesting i think it's episode 506 on the tim ferris show i i've i've only heard it's it's a long episode but uh and, and 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 he talks about so many things that I'm like, I have no idea what he's talking about. I have to pause it, look it up. You know, there's a lot of that. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, I'm big on that because, I, I mean, I personally like doing my own research and, and giving things go. So I'm, I'm, I'm huge into that personally. Yeah, but I'll, I'll send you a couple of ones for the All In podcast as well. They're 
um, they do interesting things like that as well, but they are a little more casual and definitely a lot, a lot of fun as well. Yeah, um, man. No, I'll, I'll definitely go ahead and give it a go. Um, I guess I wanted to ask you this before I let you go. What do you think, um, aside from that message from Michael, is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Ooh, okay. Um, hold on. I did, let me refer to something for this. Awesome, yeah. No, I love that you're in the whole crypto and tech space, though, because I'm like a nerd and like I'm trying to like I'm like, where do I go to learn all this and that? So I'm huge on that personally because I'm, I'm intrigued. Yeah. I, th I still think we're really early, even though a lot of people in tech are already into it. I don't think the rest of the world has caught up, though. Yeah, it's interesting. I think I think you're probably uh, right about that. You know, um, I guess when you're in something, you think that everybody's already on it and everybody yeah. knows, but it's. Uh, I think we are still in the early days in terms of like real, real mainstream adoption of any of these ideas because they are sort of like complex, you know. Mm -hmm. Do you have any really quick? Do you have any money in Bitcoin? I do. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I do. What, what price did you get in at? Uh, I got in. I got in early. I got in at a good price. I got in on a particularly a very good price on Ethereum. Um, okay. And I made a bunch on that, and yeah, you know, I'm uh, like I like I said, I've been in this space since uh, about 2015. Damn, the but, king. Uh, 2017 in a real way. Yeah. That's dope, man. You were really early then, like really early. Yeah, f fairly early. But the problem was back then, I didn't. I was still fairly broke, so I didn't. In you know, if I oh, had the money you. I had now to invest in it back then, oh. I'd probably be the different. But yeah, I, I did get an early, and I did make a little bit off that, which is cool. That's so dope. Yeah, uh, it's like yeah, it's a bragging of... rights. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I got I've got a couple of pretty crazy stories when it comes to like that early, those early days in in crypto. But but for sure, I wish, you know, it's one of those things in in the world. That's the way of the world, right? It's. Um, you could, you never get everything at once. So at yeah. the time when I identified the opportunity, I didn't have the resources to like really, really mm -hmm. invest heavily in that. Cause I was still trying to like pay my rent and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then like right after that's when you got signed, worried right? About the Bitcoin. And then like a year after that's when you got signed, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then about a year after that. And then I had put more some more into um mm -hmm. into ethereum which i got in at very low very low price like 30 dollars and stuff Damn, like that yeah um uh, yeah i mean in terms of in terms of other types of advice seriously the one of the one of the, i used to um one of my first sort of it was it was kind of an internship, I guess, in a way. But uh, one of the first producers I worked under was this guy Jeff Silbar. He's like a legendary Nashville producer writer, and um, he used to say, you know, you can never be a star in your dad's garage, you know. <laughs> and I guess what he meant by that was, um, you just have to. It was kind of something we were talking about before. Is like, you have to put yourself out there. If you're a creator, you have to put the work out there. You know, don't be too precious about the stuff because um it you only get better when you're when you put yourself out there you know mm. do the best work you can and you know do it with uh the right attitude but don't be afraid of just putting stuff out there sending things out and mm -hmm. that's the key yeah. and then obviously just working hard on top of that hard over talent yeah and and definitely yeah don't take that for granted you know i think 
the beautiful part about music is for in my experience so far with it is everybody I've come across in our community comes from completely different backgrounds mm. um you know every kind of background economically and socially different completely different backgrounds completely different education most people in the songwriting game I can probably count on my fingers the amount of people who went to like a music school like Berkeley or Juilliard nobody does that you know we yeah. all come at it from different things and we land in the record business because we've just found you know ways to make songs that people connect with but the through line is that you're meeting all these people that you never would have met if it wasn't for music you know it's truly is like the great connector yeah the connector <laughs> and the we're all just like outcasts that have come that have come together because of um, music so that's a really really cool thing you know and i think for people who are in music just like understanding that there is no one path and just because somebody else does it that's actually their journey that's their part like i try not to get not to feel formal or you know don't get jealous about other people's success you shouldn't do that anyway but like mm-hmm. don't think that one person's way is sudden is the way because music's just not like that everybody has their own way to to break it and to to make uh to make it basically you know and i think that's an awesome thing because that means that if you're trying to come up all you have to do is just follow your instincts be true to who you are and try to be great at what you do yeah Mm -hmm. i want to say this i think i i always ask my guests that question at the end of every episode and i think you've you've been the one that's answered it like the fucking best so i really thank you so i appreciate it no that that was amazing that was great i know a lot of people are going to take take that to heart because that i think that's what really matters everything that you said just really resonated with me and it comes from wisdom obviously and i think that you deserve all your success that you've earned and and you are the king of improvisation so major props <laughs> on that, man. i'm so glad that was interesting yeah you made me uh you made me realize something new about myself even, so, yeah. <laughs> no well no you're amazing man um well hopefully i'll be able to get you on in the future again you were amazing i definitely want to talk more crypto and nfts and, and i want to hear about the launch too yes yes let's take it let's you know let's stay in touch and i'm so glad you uh reached out to me i'm, I'm not even sure how you found uh, clubhouse how you found me oh it was through clubhouse, clubhouse. Yes. yes sir that's why i'm like it's a it's a weird world it's a really weird i was in a room with you i don't remember yeah. what room in particular but i reached out because i liked your work and i thought you were amazing so oh man that's so cool that means a lot yeah i mean look i'm, I'm glad we met and it's uh really cool to see people like you taking i think agency of like you said that the thing that that is your skill the thing that mm-hmm. that is that makes you special mm-hmm. and then creating something where you're able to share other people's stories it's like nothing like that i mean i i can't i can't when i started in music i don't even think podcasting was a thing it was just you know <laughs> i don't know where where i would have gone to get i guess youtube we would look up interviews and things like that but it wasn't on the same um i think focus level that that podcasts are so you know the work you're doing is really cool and important and just keep it up man thank you so much yeah i'm I'm gonna go hard in the paint with this and i was like i'm not gonna give up i'm like it's still in the early stages i was doing like a like a little thing in my head and not like i was like doing some math like nerd math for me but i was like um i this is this was like recently but obviously i haven't listened to tim ferris but i've only heard about him like once or twice but i'm like 
Tim Ferriss has only been doing his podcast for 11 years and Joe Rogan for 13. I'm like, they're barely even like teenagers. I'm like, it's still so yeah. young. And I was like, I was like, well, let's, let's see if like, m- like myself, like resonates with people. Cause I'm like, I can like, I'm not really like an extrovert. I'm more of like an introvert. That's like forcing to be like an extrovert. So that's not never been like my thing, but I'm like, I want to give it a shot. I'm like, it's something I don't want to do. So I, I'm like, I have to do it, you know, like kind of like by default first. Like, yeah. I mean, I think it's like, um, you create a character and you create uh, a myth around it. You know, that's yeah. the, <laughs> that's the great part about the, about the internet. And, you know. Yeah. I just want to be myself. I, I don't want to be uh, surrounded by the whole PC culture. I'm like, if I say dumb things, I say dumb things, but I'm like, I'm going to, yeah, I was just like, put it out there. yeah, I was like, I don't want to conform to something, you know? No, just, yeah. Just speak your truth. And yeah. there's always a space for that, you know? Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Well, thank you so much, man. I, I really appreciate your time. And thank you for thank coming you. Uh, on the show last minute as well. <laughs> no, of course. I mean, I, I hope you got, I know I was sort of like rambling around a couple of the answers. So I, I hope you got uh, no, the, enough good stuff. <laughs> no, it was great, man. Thank you so much for your time. And like I said, uh, please shoot me out the um, the links to the, um, to the NFT drop or, or to the website. Yes. Uh, and I'll make sure to put that in the podcast. I'll upload it like in maybe two or three days time. That'd be great. Yes. I'll definitely be sharing that link with you in the next uh, day or two. Awesome. Thank you so much, man. You have a good rest of your night. All right. Bye. Thank you, brother. And uh, yes, stay in touch. All right, man. Bye.